That's a lot better. Last night, I um, I watched a hour-long documentary about the Costa Concordia um, sinking. Do you guys remember this? This happened, like, 2012. It was a nope. cruise line. Was oh, it that the cruise ship? Yes. <laughs> I, th- I vaguely remember this, but for some reason I remember it as, like, a lot of people got, like, botulism at the buffet line or something. <laughs> And we're lost at sea for like several months, but that's just my own brain revising it, I'm sure. That is definitely a Tom Sexton revision, because what actually happened, and I shouldn't be laughing at this, it's extremely morbid, but what actually happened was it was a cruise line um, that was sailing around the Mediterranean, and the captain was like some Italian drunk who went up into like a cove off the coast of Italy and just (laughs) ran into the sea floor like the seabed and it tore a massive hole in the bottom of the ship (laughs) and so the captain panicked and fled the ship (laughs) like just got (laughs) in a lifeboat (laughs) I remember that now that's the one because people were like okay right like there like 30 people died It was like, and there's all this harrowing footage of people trying to get on the lifeboats. And it reminded me kind of of the COVID vaccine rollout because there really is footage (laughs) of like people lining up to get on the lifeboats and like middle age, you know, men and women like shoving children aside to get on the lifeboats. And people are like, there's kids here. (laughs) Get them out first. You know, it was really incredible. I remember that now. But the only reason I bring this up is is because I just want to tell everyone out there, like, if the worst mistake you've ever made, like, think about the worst mistake you've ever made and how much you've beat yourself up over it. It'll never be as bad as driving a cruise line <laughs> onto land, it sinking it, dozens and killing of 30 people, people. And, <laughs> and then saving your own skin. <laughs> running away. And running away. Oh, Lord. Um, pretty... I thought you. I thought you. I watched a. Uh, thought you were going to say something. I watched a documentary about uh, Johnny Agnelli, the like the CEO, old CEO of Fiat, the other night. Yeah. It's like I'm sitting here watching this, and it's like you know, I was talking about like the like the strikes with the communists that were working in the Fiat factories versus him and all this stuff, and it's like the first like. Johnny Agnelli's character witness in this documentary is Henry Kissinger. <laughs> so I'm like, that's not a good start. So. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that's the direction you were going. I was like, hey, I'm in, me too. Well, there. I mean, this is a pretty... You can find it on YouTube, but it is a pretty funny documentary because it was like shot... I was pieced together from cell phone footage. And some of it is like these old British men who like are disgusted by this captain like um before he wrecks the ship like the captain goes you know like i said he's like a middle-aged italian guy and he was like walking around the cafeteria taking photos with like hot young american women and these british guys are just disgusted with this so they're like of course american women would be so taken in by italian men (laughs) 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 they're just completely disgusted So you think we've unfairly maligned the French over the over the centuries, and it should have been the Italians we immortalized as cowards. Huh? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, okay. that is what I'm saying. Um, well, anyways, um, 
welcome to the show this week. Uh, we have a an episode for you planned. I don't know how it's going to go, but we're going to see. <laughs> um, we are, of course, talking about the big news item of the week, uh, GameStop. That's all you have to say. People immediately know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. To help us do it, we have Alexandra Skaggs, who is a writer for Barons. How are you doing, Alex? I am doing pretty well. I've had dreams about GameStop every night this week. <laughs> 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 Too fucking much. Interesting. Um, uh, I'm sure if you're out for Barons, this is like the high season for you with this kind of stuff going on. Yeah. This so. is like shit hitting the fan, basically. Right. Yeah. I would imagine, yeah, that you don't get a whole lot of news stories that keep you busy from dusk till dawn uh like no this. i mean like when markets in china were blowing up like i think in like 2015 uh-huh. it was like this and also at the beginning of the pandemic it was like <laughs> this so it's like long periods of boredom and then just like shit hits the fan and everyone's like oh my god what does this mean and then it turns out to be like not as big of a deal as everyone is worried about and then it's fine <laughs> so that's pretty much like markets coverage yeah i mean it's kind of been the story of the last year in general really you will have moments of extreme banality and boredom and then things boil over for a few days weeks months um and then they go back to boredom and banality <laughs> This one doesn't seem to be wanting to go away. <laughs> no, it's persisted for a few days. Yeah. So, like, I mean, I feel like what basically this kind of happened a little bit last year. Like, do you guys remember when Hertz filed for bankruptcy? A little bit. Like the yeah. transportation, like the car. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, everyone was everyone was worried that... Well, everyone was worried that, like, no one was going to buy cars, no one was going to drive anywhere, and, like, you know, of course, these places have these big, um, like, offices offices and stuff at airports, so Hertz right. was like, well, shit. <laughs> so they had to restructure. But, like, a bunch of, a bunch of, like, Reddit traders, basically, like, bought up a ton of Hertz stock while it was in bankruptcy, and people are like, that, that's weird. Like, usually when a company fails for bankruptcy, you, like, if you own stock, you just, like, lose everything. Yeah. Like, your money just disappears. <clears throat> but these guys were like, eh, could be fun. Let's do it. So they, like, bought a ton of Hertz stock. And, like, then the company was like, well, I guess we better sell share. Like, we're trying to raise money, so right. why not? Yeah. But the thing is, like, you can't really do that, like, in bankruptcy court. Like, you're basically saying, like, can you just, like, give us money so we can, like, take it and give it to other people, like right. lawyers? So <laughs> the SEC was like, okay, don't do that. <laughs> um, but, like, there have been, like, these little weird things, like, every few months. And then just, like, last week it totally blew up. And I think basically just because like redditors figured out that they could brigade the stock market right yeah yeah <laughs> it makes me um if only like coal companies had known this trick throughout <laughs> 2008 2014 when every single coal company went bankrupt. One simple trick to save the coal industry. <laughs> AstroTurf, baby. Yeah. That's right. 
<laughs> yeah, it, well, it's it's kind of funny because like I know that like the AMC stock is like the other thing. I mean, I, I don't know why they're not in bankruptcy. Like nobody's really going to the movies right now. So like how Tootsie Roll stock too that? apparently. <laughs> like why? It's the, just it's like every is there, stock there's like a name from... there's like a, like a name for this. It's like nostalgia trading or like meme stocks. Is that what they call this? Yeah, they're calling them the meme stocks now. But like. I think it's just everything that was in the mall in 2002. Redditors are like, let's fucking go. Hot topic. (laughs) Spencer's gifts. Oh my God. Excellent. I don't even know if those are publicly traded. I think those might have like failed or gotten bought out or something. But like. That's it. I've always thought about this because, particularly when you hear people like you know mark zuckerberg selling your data and all this kind of stuff like this sort of immaterial stuff it's kind of interesting that there's like a school of investing from these online guys that's just based totally in their like childhood experience and nothing really like no market trends no like (laughs) what's buying selling or anything like that just like what makes me feel warm and fuzzy when i think about when i was nine you know yeah well, because, like, they'll, like, make some argument. There are, like, a couple of guys on there that are like, no, listen, man, like, GameStop is, like, legit now. <laughs> and I think it's because, like, one guy joined the board and, like, you know, they're trying to turn it around or whatever. But, like, Noki, like, Express? Like, do I... <laughs> like, is Express even still a thing? It is. I, apparently it still exists. I, I haven't seen an Express store in years. Like, not like, and, like, and also nobody goes to the mall for like the, no, you don't know anymore really. <laughs> so. Not at all. <laughs> like malls are dying. Yeah. Like the only reason malls exist now is for the Apple Store. Right. And like that's like everyone says that, but now it's funny because like malls are so dead that like legit investors are like, okay, maybe not every single mall is gonna die. So like now they're going in. Because they're like, okay, well, every mall with an Apple store is going to survive. But that, that's like, you know, 50 of them. You know, it's not, yeah, like, right. it's not like we're going to be like going back to hang out and, you know, look at the models at Abercrombie and Fitch or anything. Did, did y'all see those like, those like, um, I forget what they call it, but it's like some kind of like Zoomer, like internet music genre of like mall wave stuff that it's no. like it's like ba- it. these these, these kids I, I guess probably the thing that it's probably most analogous to is like how you know there's like a sort of a vogue for like 80s nostalgia like you know when stranger things came on and like that sort of like synthy kind of thing and i guess it's probably like the zoomer equivalent like they probably feel the same way about like the clinton 90s as we did about <laughs> the you know the 80s like we didn't really like you know live it like that but they have all these things. But anyway, there was this, like, essay that this kid wrote. Or it's not, the, not that the kid wrote. That this guy wrote about this kid that lived somewhere, in, I think, in California or something like that. And he had made this song. And it was based on the Fayette Mall in Lexington, Kentucky, which is where, like, we would just, like, drive three hours to, like, go school shopping and stuff. And I, I want to say to that kid, it wasn't that great, man. <laughs> And in fact, and in fact, back before, like last February, right, just right before the pandemic really kicked off, I had to go to the Apple store in the mall down here and get my phone fixed. And it was like immediately like just like taking me back to like 2009 being in college at UK. I'm like, And nothing has like really meaningfully changed. It's like 
almost exactly the same and i was like ah this feels weird it's a very weird experience yeah and like now you see the stores that are like closed and shit and it's like yeah yeah, it's it's weird stuff well Uh, well let's start the um let's establish some of the main characters in this story okay so we have on one hand we have wall street (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is wall street and why does it exist where is it? can you answer yeah where is it <laughs> well wall street used to be in new york city and now it's buried underground in secaucus new jersey <laughs> all, of the, all of the tech is like all in one place now it's it's funny because like nobody like trades on the floor anymore like if you go it's like all gone i mean it's like guys who like go on tv and like that's their main job yeah it's it's theater basically right yeah yeah it's really funny and like i don't know i think so so there's wall street wall street but like really on one side of this is like a lot of like hedge fund guys who are basically like trying to make money saying like okay like express probably isn't gonna come back or like you know blackberry probably not a good stock to buy um and they do that by selling the stock short which is basically or like i mean they have like insanely complicated versions of this um but it's just like borrowing a stock and selling it to someone before you actually like you know without buying it yourself in the first place uh with the hope of like buying back that stock that you've borrowed later at a lower price yeah so it's essentially the basic concept of it if i understand it correctly is basically gambling right yeah no yeah it's totally just you're saying like okay i think that thing's gonna go down so i'm gonna put money on that right so you had these hedge funds doing this betting that gamestop would go down and so then you know the other characters in this story are the redditors the wall street bets people posters posters yes and they said no line must go up and so they bought a lot of the shares in the game and they bought a lot of options too so like you had them like enough people i guess like getting together in one place and like buying a bunch of shares of like one company and that forced a lot of the people who like bought the share or who sold the shares without like owning them yet um to like have to buy back their stock early basically because they were like well shit this is going against me and like i'm gonna lose you can like basically lose unlimited money if you short a stock because like you eventually have to buy it back right so like what if it's like quadrupled and all of a sudden you have to pay like four times more than you originally got to like get it back Right. So, yeah. So, like, before it goes that bad, like, a lot of funds are just like, fuck it, I fold. And um, I start buying the stock back. And, like, that pushes the stock higher. And, like, that's what they mean when they say, like, oh, it's a short squeeze. Like, you're basically, like, putting a lot of pressure on these guys and making them, like, fuck, I fold. Right. So there's, uh, so there's like, a few – I read this, like – Eric Levitz had a write-up about this in the Eric Mag, and this is one of the few things I read about this that that actually made sense to me. But he said that there's a few novel things behind this. Um, 
One of which is that you've got these sort of like retail, uh, in, I guess, investors um, being able to go on apps and basically, you know, with the flick of a thumb, being able to, um, you know, buy large amounts of shares, I suppose. Uh, you know, and then there's like that pandemic yeah. thing, which is interesting. He said, the pandemic briefly made sports betting impossible last spring, causing a large population of gambling addicts to develop day trading habits. <laughs> Um, yeah. Tom, is this true? Can you verify this with anecdotal evidence? No, that's 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 absolutely true, man. Like the the guy, the bookmaker that I bet with, <laughs> would like call me and try to get me to bet on like snooker and Formula One <laughs> and darts and like just these very like arcane like European sports that were still going on. I'm like, I'm good, man. <laughs> so, day trading is probably uh, you know better. Well, not a better alternative, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, certainly better than betting on, you know, professional billiards. Yeah. <laughs> At least you've, like, heard of the things that you're betting on, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, uh, GameStop. They sell games, right? I, yeah. I went there when I was 14. Yeah. yeah of course. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that's definitely the Wall Street Journal a part of it, too. What's that, Alex? Uh, oh, it's definitely, it's, like, boredom. It's, like, I don't know. I, what was the other thing that he was talking? I, I actually read that piece too, and I, I thought it was pretty nice. Um, yeah, he said. I think one of the things. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Well, it's also like really cheap to bet on options, and like options are like kind of like short selling, and that like you put down a little bit of money and you get like a lot of exposure to the market, because like you're buying like exposure to like hundreds of shares or more with just like one trade so like that's a lot cheaper than it used to be like i think that you know people compare it a lot to like the dot-com bubble and stuff because like back then apparently i mean i wasn't like old enough to be participating but like there were a ton of people on message boards and stuff like doing the same stuff but it was a lot more expensive and difficult to trade options and now it's like really easy and robin hood's like hey here you go man right so robin hood is another character in this story they're oh, yeah. like a, 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 a basically like a silicon valley startup right who allows you to do uh retail trading i suppose on your on your cell phone yeah <laughs> and they're like hey why don't you trade options which is like i don't know guys so uh, let me ask this let me ask this question okay. what's what's the benefit of because like i mean i like i have a brokerage account with fidelity for example just for, for my retirement and like what's the difference in like trading on an app like Robinhood versus like i can just trade with well i can't trade with fidelity coincidentally when the market opened today they were having technical issues so yeah, yeah. all yeah. the i'm all sure the it's bridges. just just one of those things you know yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the, so the difference is that Robinhood is a lot cheaper and like fidelity the way it like markets itself it's like hey we're kind of boring right like this isn't going to be like you know it's like a platform thing almost like the way that they manage it is just like they're not pushing options on you like it's sort of a it's a less like social media kind of uh experience right so like you don't have the like oh my god i want to like click the button to like get the dopamine hit kind of deal it is boring and passive it's just like i just 
put like a certain amount in my Roth and then like my 401k and then just whatever, you know, it's not like day trading or anything like that. So it's like the Robin Hood and those types that you're saying is like more conducive to that kind of like sports book type feel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the big differences too. A, 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 a word that people keep using is like the gamification of trading and stuff. I mean, yeah. It... Which is kind of funny because, like, especially trading in the stock market, I mean, it's, it's kind of, like it's always a game, right? Like, people are, I don't know, like, trading stocks is like always seems like gambling to me. I don't know. I'm like a child of the recession. I graduated in 09 and was like, oh shit, that can happen. Like, you know, the stock market can just fall off a cliff and take a really long time to come back. And, like, your money can just disappear. So, right. like, it's, yeah. So, it's, like, definitely gambling no matter what. <laughs> I just, I think the interesting thing is, like, all of these guys, like, figured out that they can brigade it. You know? It's, like, a bunch of, like wall street bet suits who like you know i'm not going to be like oh yeah they're working class people like they're all kinds of people you know yeah um like i have a friend who i went to college with who like just got on last week and she's like a mom of three who's just like really bored because she's been stuck at home with her kids all year um but like they just kind of have all figured out like shit like if we all do this we can like actually make money or like help ourselves with collective action which is kind of crazy (laughs) but like again i'm not like this is a revolution because i think that's a little much well it's kind of tied to this like it like that whole idea is kind of tied even like back to like the capital seizure whatever where everybody's like trying to like meticulously figure out the class composition of anything that looks like an uprising you know what i mean I, I mean, I th- go ahead, Tom. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was, I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I, this is gonna sound really controversial, and I, you know, it's gonna piss some people off. But I promise, Uh-oh. just, just please entertain me here for a second. If you look <laughs> at the past year, there have been several moments like this that I think there you can draw a through line through. They're obviously all very different and I'm not equating them on a like substantive level, but on a conceptual level they are the same. So there's this and there's the storming of the Capitol, the burning of a police precinct in Minneapolis. I mean, you've got these these events that have a sort of symbolic resonance to them. I mean, like, it's very symbolically powerful to see a police station burn. I think it's very symbolically resonant to watch people storm the Capitol. And it's also, like, John Stewart had a tweet, like, I guess he, like, got on Twitter or something, and he had a tweet last night about, like, these people are, are just taking back what, uh, you know, from they're just participating in a system that has always kept them out of it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that, that is true. I mean, I don't think this is a revolution, but there is a sort of symbolic aspect of it where, like, Wall Street has been for one type of person, and then these intruders bust in, and they say, well, we want to we wanna be a part of it. And it's the same thing at the Capitol siege. I mean, it's just like, you know, like, and I know that, like, leftists, you know, you, we look at these things, and we may not like the way that they appear, you know, and be like, oh, these people are right-wingers, they're incel redditors in their basements or whatever, but... It does speak to some larger crisis that's going on that these, like, symbols that we all take for granted are being violated in a way. 
And uh, I don't know. I just for me, it's just another example that the contradictions are very heightened, in my opinion. Oh yeah. I mean, the most one of the most entertaining things about this whole week has been watching guys like Leon Cooperman get on TV and just like lose their shit. Like, yeah, like literally cry. <laughs> They're turning Wall Street into a whorehouse. <laughs> and it's just like, that guy, I think that guy, like, got in trouble for, like, actual securities fraud. And, like, uh, I But mean, then, they, yeah, they get on there and grandstand, like, there are these paragons of morality and, like, you know, like, following the rules and everything. And everybody else are these, yeah, these no, reprobates. They're, they're just pissed that, like, they realize they can lose money because, like, a bunch of guys, like, got together and, like, did something together, right? Like, it's just the fear of the collective, like, pure yeah. fear. And... And like, I mean, it's been uh, rewarding in a lot of ways because it's like, uh, I mean, I feel like so much right now is really like atomized and like isolating that like, you know, if people get together on the internet and are like, fuck, let's work together and like do something that's going to help ourselves. Like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Go ahead. Sorry. It's interesting to me. I, I, it kind of reminds me of, um, in some ways, like the current moment kind of reminds me of like the Reformation in the sense that like you had this larger historical crisis playing out, but you had people entering into conflicts who weren't necessarily like peasants or like lower class people. There were people with means who were, you know, fighting back against like whatever, the Catholic Church or, or monarchy or whatever. And that creates a space into which larger social movements can operate and put pressure on on things. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm not a, a retail investor and I would imagine you have to have some spare capital to be able to do that. But it does hint, in my opinion, at a larger kind of disruption in the social fabric. Uh, I mean, yeah, that this is happening now. And it, I mean, like all the, all the things have been in front of us for years now for the, something like this to happen. It's very interesting that it happens now of all times rather than like five years ago. Then again, I don't really know how long Robin Hood has been around. So I, I don't know, but... Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's been around a while, but I feel, I feel like just every, like you said, like everyone being stuck at home and not being able to gamble, they're like, you know, stumbling into some sort of like collective action benefit. <laughs> that, right. well, again, no, you're, you're exactly right. Because like in every group chat I'm in with my like shithead buddies from college that like, you know, live in the suburbs and play FanDuel and stuff like that. All of them are into this and we're like up on this, like even like months ago you know like yeah this is like the big payoff the big moment we've been waiting for and all this kind of stuff and maybe this time i was foolish not to, not to get in it when it was two dollars a share with them back around christmas but uh it's it, i think like in turn like just to that class composition thing one thing that i've been thinking about and i'm not sure it's right but i feel like you can draw a through line to the sort of primordial ooze of occupy and how that like out of that came all these sort of disparate groups that kind of went off and did their own sort of like 
you know, like, uh, so we, we, something we talked about in the show was like how like politics is almost like the movie, the warriors now, like everybody joins these like gangs or whatever that have certain aesthetic <laughs> qualities. They have certain like sort of cultural affectations and yeah. everything like that. And like everybody that has participated, I feel like in anything from the capital siege to like this stuff or anything like that, to even like our sort of nascent left DSA movement, like I think is all influenced by occupying the failures of it. And it, and, and like you look at it, it's just like you look at like the capital siege people, look at what it's like this big tent made up of like, you know, of course you got like the QAnon conspiracy mongers and that kind of stuff, but you also have like recycled tea partiers who like are probably pissed off Rand Paul was just easily absorbed into the Republic <laughs> mainstream Republican Party. You know what I mean? They're like still trying to like hold on to like the scraps of like what Occupy has wrought well, in society. What um have y'all ever seen that show Mr. Robot? Yeah. Yes. It feels a lot like that. Like there's not like there's not really any sort of larger there's not really any sort of like leftist ideology behind it. A lot of Bernie had this kind of idea too. It was like vaguely anti-corporate, vaguely anti-Wall Street, and like vaguely anti-establishment. And if you look at the last 10 years, there's just been sort of bubbles of that that have come up to the surface, whether it was Occupy or uh, Anonymous itself. It's like Tom and I were yeah. joking, joking, like, Tanya has always joked for years, like, where are the hackers? Like, why, where are they going like, to come through with this? And we were joking, like, they finally came through. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess this is it, man. Yeah, I guess this is it. But it's like, it, it just feels <laughs> like there's just been... And, and I and I put this under the same. You're right, Tom. I put this under the same umbrella as the capital C's. It's another example of people entering a space that normally aren't allowed into that space, and uh, and some of those people might be working class, some of them might be middle class or whatever. But it doesn't change the fact that our institutions exist for a certain reason and for a certain people, and they're kind of being like violated and fucked with, and. That's just historically very interesting. I mean, inter very interesting, maybe good, maybe bad things could come out of that. Well, the funny thing is that, like, I think, I mean, so, like, for the most part, like, Wall Street people, like, fucking love it when individual people trade options because... It's what they it's what they call uninformed flow. So like so they just you, kill them on the fees. Yeah, you kill yeah. them on the fees. It's like the way that like the math of market making works. Like they like having people just like doing random stuff because it helps them make more money and like helps them like make markets easier. Um, but it's funny because like that all depends on the individuals not being organized and doing all the same thing right so like i think why they're so pissed off is not just that it's like you know regular people just like doing stuff in markets because they love that right it's because it's that like regular people are doing stuff in an organized way that like sort of actively is like oh like you guys have all these values and like the way that you make judgments about stocks like oh fuck that we're just gonna do what we want yeah. so like it kind of violates that whole thing too. And like it is, I mean, it's, it's funny talking about it because again, it's like all like 
a joke. It's like mall stocks, right? But like, <laughs> it really is like they just chose like the least popular ones and the most shorted ones, and they're like, eh, you know what? We're actually going to take advantage of this like technical uh, technical quirk in the market to like make all of your sort of like value driven bets blow up in your face. Yeah. Which is entertaining. Which is fun. Yeah. Fun to watch. Yeah. <laughs> Very so, fun to watch. So like if we know, I mean, just based on, I mean, we were talking about saying we're all around the same age. I assume this, it's like, you know, we watched the 2008 crisis and we watched obviously, you know, no prosecutions or anything from the Obama administration in the wake of all that. So we know that this country above anything will, you know, will continue to, pump money into our sort of imperial adventures and we'll do anything to save Wall Street. So what happens here? Do they correct course and like outlaw like what 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 like what what do you think like Congress is gonna do to like, you know, protect the fundamentals of the economy or whatever? So I think I think the funny thing is that like it's probably gonna get more expensive to trade options. Which like I mean again uh Traditionally, like if you're a normal person going into the options market to trade, you're just like asking to get like your shirt, you know, you're asking to like give them your shirt basically just because like it's really easy to lose a lot of money. Um, It's probably going to get more expensive to trade because they're now realizing like shit, people can like coordinate and organize. But like the funny thing is that like, I mean, the house always wins, right? Like that's again, like you said. This is America. Right. Um, But the ways that the house is winning is like not the most obvious one. You know, the the Robin Hood and and all the like brokerage shutdowns yesterday, like I think part of that was because the guys had been so successful that like and since so much of it had been done like partially at least on leverage, like they actually could have like wrecked Robin Hood's credit and like had it get liquidated like had it gone far enough had like people gotten caught on the wrong side of trades enough um like the the sort of like clearinghouse guy it's it gets really boring and into like plumbing stuff but like the way that that works like made me think a little less conspiracy and more like shit we don't want to go bankrupt right. <laughs> uh, especially because they like took out like a billion dollar line of credit with their banks yesterday because they're like uh we need more money to be able to cover all this um but like the way that some private equity funds have been taking advantage has been really good for the private equity funds so like one fund that owned a lot of amc I guess like convert. So God, I mean, talking about it sounds really complicated because basically again, these like really sophisticated investors are setting up the system. So like they're going to benefit. And like one of the really big private equity funds that invested in AMC made like a ton of money (laughs) because of last week. Yeah. I read Alexis Goldstein's, uh, thing that she put out about like it's not like david versus goliath it's goliath versus goliath and david's the fig leaf yeah. <laughs> which is i think a good way to a good way to sort of put that and it's just like if 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 you know a couple of you know upper middle class 
people or whoever, you know, whoever, whatever the class composition is. I don't presume to know that exactly. But like whoever it is are making, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, then yeah, you you might be fucking up this hedge fund, but some other rich guy somewhere that's, <laughs> you know, just as nefarious is making a ton of money off this too. So yeah. it's right. not super effective as, as entertaining as it is, it's not super effective as this like sort of like working class movement that some people were framing it today. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, I mean like Ken Griffin, the guy who runs Citadel is like, has been the target of a lot of the ire of like the Reddit guys, but like just the existence of volatility in markets helps Ken Griffin. Yeah. Yeah. So like his trading firm makes a lot more money when things are like going haywire like they are now. Yeah. So like sort of having markets is like a playing field means that like, you know, it's like trying to like take down a casino casino by gambling. All right. You're like, that's, I don't know, guys. Listen, I, I was a bookie at college, and I've been yeah. betting sports for a long time, and I had eventually had to say, okay, like I have to treat this as just like a hobby that I can afford to lose a certain amount of money on because I made way more money taking bets than I made <laughs> better by a mile. Yeah, and it's not even right. close. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I think that's kind of ultimately the way it's going to work. Like the, like some of the interesting things, like, cause I've been trying to figure out like, you know, like bringing it down to like brass tacks or whatever, like, okay, what does this mean for the actual like companies? Like you guys were talking about the, um, actually you guys were talking about the coal companies and I read, speaking of just like vultures and stuff, I read the most amazing story, um, it must have been last year in the Rockbridge Advocate from Rockbridge, Virginia, Rockbridge County, Virginia, which yeah. is where I went to school and my whole family's around there. But like they, this guy, God, I can't even remember his name, but there is this guy who basically has made an entire life, like living just like borrowing money to buy bankrupt coal mines. Yes. And it's his whole deal. So he'll like buy the bankrupt coal mine and just like, sell it for pieces but then like also do a bad job doing that so like he's gotten in a lot of trouble over yeah. the years i wrote something about this guy when i worked at this nonprofit called app voices his name is tom something i can't remember his last name tom something right tom Clark? yes i think it's tom, tom clark. clark tom clark yeah that's it tom, tom clark yeah tom exactly. clark had a an amazing scheme when the obama administration passed the clean power plan he like submitted this because every state had to submit their own climate plan after that. And he submitted this program where he was going to, like, plant the same number of trees uh, in, like, South America or something like that that would, like, <laughs> pull carbon out yes. of the air to, like, help Virginia meet its, like, carbon like targets. It was very bizarre. Well, doesn't he? Didn't he own Natural Bridge for a while? He did, yeah, yeah, he did own Natural Bridge, and <laughs> like, I think he had to sell it because you're you're right. He did a terrible job of like reclaiming all of these. Yeah, um, yeah, oh, yeah. It was reclamation. That yeah, that's a that's a better way to put it. Uh, I forgot all about Tom Clark, man. Like all the like, I work for Sierra Club, and all the like the oh. sort of green NGOs were like. Do we trust Tom Clark? Do we not trust Tom Clark? And I'm like, man, I smell a scheme. I know, I know a scheme when I see one. <laughs> that, that, uh, that's very insightful. What turned yeah. out? That's amazing. I, I'm reading uh, something, a blog post I wrote in August 2015. It's so funny how you just don't remember any of the things he did. But um, he wanted to 
bundle, let's see. He wanted to bundle coal with carbon offsets accrued from planting trees and then selling those bundled products to u- electric utilities. Because trees absorb atmospheric carbon, Clark believes credits created through reforestation will help states meet carbon emission targets. Um, so basically, like for as much for uh, this, for the amount of coal that you mine and the mountains that you destroy in the process, you then like through some algorithm, you decide how much coal that puts in the atmosphere, and then you plant the appropriate amount of trees to pull it out of the atmosphere. To offset, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just math, guys. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but it's it's it, it's interesting because that was like sort of like the liberal version of like trying to like do something with like you know the carcass of the coal industry and then like the trump stuff kind of had their own scheme where you had a lot of these guys buying up these defunct mines because with trump's like tax benefits for coal companies they could make more money running coal at a loss the bosses could than they could you know what i'm saying then they could like trying to like make it at a profit so it's like incredible it's kind of you know like it, when, when we're back home and it's like a lot of a lot of these a lot of guys that work in the mines and of course you know i guess you know if you're you're an industry butters your bread you're going to have some some loyalties to that and sort of adopt sort of the cultural traits of it but you had like a lot of guys that were like you know like trump's brought the coal industry back and it's not that he just made it to where you can like make money running coal at a loss you well know I mean? it, it made me wonder for the longest time if a lot of these coal and coal companies weren't just like money laundering operations like seriously like if you can't mine coal profitably then how the fuck are they staying how the fuck are they doing this i don't know i mean it's like mark i mean so this is is where it comes back to markets right like my i've talked to like other folks about this but i i feel like my sort of like mental model for the way that markets work now is just like rich people giving each other their money Right. And like using it sometimes to like make more money for like real reasons, other times just doing it with like financial stuff. But they're it's basically just like a closed little loop and like the coal companies have somehow hung on in that little loop. Yeah. So they're like, Hey, we can raise money. Yeah, right. For sure. <laughs> but the funny thing is, like, same with fucking Express and Blackberry and um yeah. God, what was one? It was like a bunch of swimsuit brands I had never even heard of. It's called like Naked Brand Group. And I'm like, oh, I wonder why they're having a hard time. Like, uh-huh. they they just sold uh, $100 million of stock into Jesus. this. Yeah. And the thing is, they're doing it in a way that's like not even like an IPO or like getting like big pension funds involved. They're just like selling it to the punters. Yeah. They're like, Oh, you want more? St- Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is an interesting distinction because you have some corporations, which are retail outlets or maybe they're, I don't know, textile <laughs> operations, I guess. And so like, You buy shares in that, and then I guess you get a return on your investment. That seems like a pretty straightforward thing. But then the hedge fund thing is basically making money from, yeah, betting. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I guess I can't, like, really stress this enough, but we did an episode almost a year ago on um, Giovanni Arrighi's The Long 20th Century. And about uh, you know financial expansion and in uh, 
you know, in civilizations, I guess, <laughs> economies. Um, but I guess the larger point I'm trying to make here is that, like, a lot of money in the economy these days is just made off of financial transactions, right? Just financial uh, commodities. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at look at like market makers, right? Like, it's funny because everyone gets really mad at like high frequency trading firms, and like I can get it because again, it's like they're just making a ton of money by like processing trades, basically. Like process, yeah. they're like just a middleman, and everyone hates middlemen. Um, but the funny thing is that like the people who were before them, they're like specialists on the floor and stuff, were like doing exactly the same stuff but like a little worse because it was instead of a computer it was just like a guy being like oh i just like want to go to a nice lunch after this so i'll like take a little bit extra out of the middle here right you know like but yeah i mean but the funny thing is of course that like as you automate everything a lot of the only jobs that still exist are automated middlemen like basically running the automated middlemen right so, I mean, basically, you have an economy at this point that is uh, a great deal of the money comes from financial transactions, and a great deal of the money comes from service industry. Hardly any of it comes from manufacturing or extraction anymore. I mean, it is quite literally, I know it's cliche, but it is quite literally that scene in Wolf of Wall Street where Matthew McConaughey's like, we don't make shit. Like, this isn't real. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's funny because like one of my one of my pet theories is that like the reason the redditors are like so mad and they're like we're gonna take down the hedge funds, man, is because like they're the guys who like would have been on the floor of the CME and like making good money for like doing math in their head pretty fast, but like <laughs> yeah. now they're like they don't have that job opportunity anymore, so they're like that's fascinating. Gonna burn it down. Yeah, yeah. it's it's funny because I saw um. Matt Jones, a buddy of ours, has been on the show before. Had like he kind of got in on this back around Christmas as kind of a jokey thing, and then he sold yesterday. And all these people in his comments on Twitter, like weak, 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 hold the line, weak, weak. I knew you were a bitch, Matt, and all that kind of stuff. And it's funny. It's like just like any true revolution at a certain point. Like you got people splintering away and not, you know. So it's 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 important to, I guess, if that's your. Uh, theory of change to hold the line. <laughs> this is going to be a really dumb question, but what benefit do they get from holding now, you know, collectively and not selling? What is the benefit there? Uh, they don't all lose money. I <laughs> <So> see. <laughs> it's like, you know, enough people sell, the price goes down, and then all of a sudden the price starts going down kind of fast. So you don't want to then... be the last person holding the bag, basically. Exactly. Right. I see. So... And, like, that's, I think, when everyone is getting all pissed off and is like, oh, this is going to be a scam. Like, the question is really, like, are these guys on the message boards who are saying, like, hold the line, like, are they holding? Right. they are. Like, uh, I mean, you're allowed to go and say, hey, like, I own this thing and you should too. But if you're like, you better keep owning this, and you're like, sell, sell. That's a great, that's a very fascinating point because... Earlier you said that like these financial market makers or whatever, the financial markets expect people to be sort of individual uh, yeah. op- operators, basically, and not work collectively. And it freaks them out when people do work collectively, but p- 
paradoxically, the very nature of the very competitive nature of markets means that collective action can never really happen because, as you just said, it actually works in your interest to make yeah. others believe that you're holding the line when in all reality you've already sold. Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why so many people got in trouble after the dot-com bubble because they were like saying, like, you better hold the line, man, and then they were selling. Yeah. <laughs> so... Fascinating. And now we have Mark Cuban, the billionaire owner of the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> oh, my God. That has been driving, like... The funniest fucking thing was Elon Musk saying, like, how can you short sell as if the man has not sold things that don't exist? Yeah. Not oh. just things that he doesn't have, but things that may never exist. Oh, my God. It's 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 if you all watch this documentary, the creation of Dr. Nakamats. No, he's like this, that. like sort of eccentric, like Japanese engineer that like makes all these like he's got like a brain reading helmet like just all this like just like sort of like junk inventions that like and he makes these grandiose claims about it and all this kind of stuff and he's like you get to watch the documentary and you see that he's like this sort of like narcissist and like all this sort of just pretty insidious character it's like elon musk like reminds me of that so much but this guy had like commendations from like george hw bush like he was really celebrated for his inventions which were like bullshit like all of them are just bullshit and uh he had the same sort of cult following and everything so i think of elon musk in the, kind of that same vein as this weird narcissist that people forget is not a scientist is not he's just like this rich kid that like his family owned an emerald mine in south africa or something and then like he got lucky with paypal and now he's fancied himself as this like kind of like you know idiosyncratic billionaire whatever yeah and he's just a rich kid <laughs> I, it's insane to me like how rapidly like we forgot like weren't like tesla is just blowing up spontaneously and just baking people alive inside of them like this guy's a fucking con man yeah i mean well the funny thing is tesla's stock is also another example of this crazy market stuff yeah. because like what did he do so he they sold shares one day and like that's bad right if you like already own shares you have like a certain ownership stake and people selling more means that you own less relatively he sold shares like a bunch and the stock went up and i was like what but why like it just doesn't make any sense but it's the story right like right. it's the story and it's the ability for like him or like this other guy on reddit to like you know get followers and be like let's go is 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 the cult around him sort of a currency in a way like as far as like the stock goes like if like all these like elon musk stands just kind of went away all at once would tesla stock just yeah. <laughs> is, is it like that, that that artificial like confidence that they like oh yeah create like like factor into this i mean like the stock is trading like so stocks are technically and this is going to be really boring so i'm sorry but like they technically are supposed to be like related to something right they're supposed to trade at like some premium to like the future earnings of a company right so you're supposed to have like a real world kind of like this is the thing this is how you value it but, like, Tesla is, like, trading at, like, I mean, I don't know about right now, but it has been, like, trading at, like, a thousand times earnings for, like, 
next not just next year but also like you know several hundred times earnings for like 2027 like these are like the kind of crazy things that people are doing because he just has the narrative right right like he just has this army of fanboys that are like they'll just keep buying they get nasty too man if you question elon musk like they like really go in on it. it's weird (laughs) it's like the like the k-hive or the beehive or something i mean this is kind of how like bubbles get created right i mean you've got this narrative drives up speculation but it's not based on anything in reality yeah 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 and the funny thing is like to a certain extent right like everything is kind of like based on narrative and like collective story but like things can get like pretty far and pretty far divorced from reality especially in like markets and stuff like i forget i remember like one time my first actual real life conversation with a guy who was really big into tesla and it was like five years ago or something and even then he was like rabid like you're just a journalist you don't trade you don't know anything and it's like i don't know anything like i will i will admit that but like also like you okay man like, you have an, an inflated sense of what you think you believe in. Yeah, right. <laughs> i was like yeah i definitely would know way, way more if i put my money in tesla like I don't right <laughs> it well, was really funny it's kind of concerning that we've built the entire economy off of this. I mean, this thing that isn't really real. Immaterial. Immaterial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, like, more and more of it is, right? Like, I mean, corporate valuations now, like, even in the, like, legally approved, like, accounting sense, now have as high of a, like, measure of intangible assets, quote unquote, as, like, they ever have in history as far as i can tell or have seen just like it yeah i mean it's no coincidence it's like you know everything is like apps and cloud and you know it's just like you know like post-world war ii everything was like manufacturing everything like mm-hmm. stuff you could touch and you right. know, feel and whatever and now it's true that's uh that doesn't inspire confidence friends no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like on one hand uh, maybe things are just different now on the other like all of the like stuff that we can touch seems to be like getting worse pretty fast like yeah. infrastructure um yeah stuff like that it but, like, rickety and then the stuff you can make money on like your clout and instagram followers <laughs> it's like it's like podcasts they're not really oh uh, yeah 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 I'm throwing stones living in a glass house over here i mean as a content creator <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like to call it content mining now like just another day it makes it sound mines. yes it makes it sound more dignified <laughs> and noble that's right oh lord that's right um yeah no it's uh it is really weird um and it is weird to like watch it happen like as you know things are like better than ever um and yet like you know the elevator in my building is like a piece of crap and like the the mta is like really i mean i think they're in better shape now but like they were really rough shape for a while well this is why it's so i mean i don't know about about you guys but like watching these you know 
these I don't know who they are. Uh, you named one of them, I think, Leon Cooperman. But like watching these guys get on TV and like cry about this stuff and get so frustrated and angry, and it's like I have no reference for that. Like I don't even have. You know what I mean? Like, the things that bother me in life and that get me emotional and, like, you know, uh, cause pain, deep emotional pain, are, like, based in real tangible shit. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's just very yeah. bizarre to watch that and to sort of measure the distance between my, my life, a person like me, and a person like that, you know? It's very yeah. surreal. And that's why, like, you know, I, I have I have a really hard time getting, like, too worked up about the Redditors making money. Because I'm like, you know, like, I mean, a lot of them are, like, bullshitting, I know. But, like, at least a couple of guys seem to genuinely be like, oh, hey, now I can pay my health care bills. You know, like, nah. and, you know, no matter, like, again, not to get into, like, class composition or whatever, but, like they're definitely not Leon Cooperman. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so again, it's like, oh, some people are getting some of like the punditry are getting like really mad about this. And I'm like, listen, man, like a bunch of guys figuring out that like they can make money by organizing and cooperating with each other. Like it could be, I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm not like a. I, I'm not. I can't make any like grand pronouncements about it, but it's just really hard for me to get that upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. I, and it is I amazing think... to see Leon yeah. Cooperman cry about it. So. I mean, I think that the sort of just taking the kind of historical view from it and saying like anything. I mean. It may not be resistance or collective action in the way that we would approve of or go about ourselves, but it is noteworthy in the sort of stream of history of the last year or so as being another example of, like I said, a sort of violation of a kind of idea or club or um, exclusive uh, part of society, I guess. And... Um, and uh, and I think that that's interesting, you know. I don't know what what uh, happens as a result, uh, but I do think that it you can lump it up there with a few other things that have happened in the last year or so that have uh, indicated that things may not be very stable. <laughs> like there's there's unrest, there is civil unrest. <laughs> like there's all there is to it. I I think I think. You know, when we started this podcast, one thing we did was this, like, and 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 I've since repented of this, but we did this sort of gatekeeperism where we were like just all the time bagging on journalists for coming here and doing these like sorts of stories, which you know, in our estimation, I think our take on those kinds of stories was correct. But like now, I think like all those coal miners we were trying to you know protect from the you know the the sort of twisting that these big city journalists were doing all this kind of stuff this paternalistic attitude we took toward it like i think they really enjoyed being part of that story being included in that story i don't think a lot of people ever thought the coal industry was just going to come roaring back i mean some did obviously but like i don't think that was ever the case but i think they liked being a part of that story so much and i think that's what you're seeing with a lot of this stuff it's like it's not i i 
and I, you know, I don't have any sympathy for like you know Proud Boys and Boogaloo's and whoever else you know was involved in like Capital Siege stuff. But I think they thought that like they wanted to count in that. And I think the same thing with with all these people that are doing this is like let's find a way that we can get in here and you know trip them up and you know if we can make some money for whatever all the better so i think it's just yeah i think it's no you know i think you're right capitalism has stripped meaning out of our lives basically and so we look for some kind of story to impart a kind of meaning to what we do and why we do it and uh and yeah i, I mean obviously there are material interests at uh that factor into it like if i guess if you're like a upper middle class sea dew dealership owner then yeah storming the capital is probably in your interest um but, but i also think that um i don't know there there's just a lot going on people want to feel involved they want to be a part of the story they want to feel like the system works for them too and i think that that creates a dynamic that social movements can exploit and use to further their own uh agenda or cause and I mean that in a you know, an optimistic sense. I don't mean that in a doomer pessimistic pessimistic sense. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people learning to organize. I mean, that's hopefully can be used for good, good things. Yeah, it doesn't have to be, but right. Uh, ideally, um, that can be directed in good directions. Um, yeah. But, you know, um, I can think of worse things to do than uh, than fucking around with hedge funds <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. i mean good. what what got me was the the name of the hedge fund they were going after is melvin yeah like, guys <laughs> like, like i'm not you know not gonna like feel protective of any hedge fund but like the name melvin just makes you like oh right oh melvin oh, <laughs> oh man really really fantastic um, but yeah, and, and I think a lot of this stuff and like, I mean, not to like, <laughs> not to like be totally blackpilled on my entire job, but like a lot of this stuff is not like the important implications of this are like not going to play out in markets, you know, like that's like a thing for like actual like political organization and activity to do. Um, and I don't think that markets are a good venue for political activity which i think is the reason i'm like uh revolution i don't know guys <laughs> yeah and you know the middlemen still still keep collecting that collecting their cut and um you know i i think you know it's it's definitely fun to watch god knows um but even in the like, you know, companies having money to hire people, like that's still kind of up in the air. So we don't know what what the ultimate consequence is going to be. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think you put it best. It's like, I mean, I, I, when we started the episode, I was going to ask you, like, can markets be vehicles for radical uh, action? But it's kind of like you said, it's like gambling to take the casino down. You know, it just it. It doesn't really make sense once you kind of step back and really investigate it. Yeah, yeah. But again, you know, the the energy, I, I mean, if anything, it's the energy is there. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. it's, it is there. And 
now apparently happening on the stock market or showing up in the stock market. <laughs> right. Maybe to put a bow on this, like, what do y'all think is the next sacred institution that, uh, you know, John Q. Reddit is going to uh, target next after the Capitol and now Wall Street? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, I guess that all that's really left is the church. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's going to get into satanic black metal and start burning down churches again. I guess so. I think it'll be the Church of QAnon. Yeah. yeah. Ah, you're right. Oh, no. You're absolutely well, right. Yeah. Let's not speak that into existence. Yeah, I know. Like, take it back. <laughs> uh, my real answer is the mall. Uh, <laughs> Hanging on by a thread. Take Big back mall needs its hegemonic... Occupy. Yeah. Well, that was like a big plot vehicle in zombie movies, right? Like you yeah. go take them all. So if you take them all, maybe that's you got your little fortresses yeah. for the yeah, you know for some, yeah. something bigger. So it's true. Awesome. Yeah. It is more 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 real life than the stock market. I right. To say. Yeah. Yeah. Or walls. Yeah. Ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Alexandra, thank you so much for coming on the show we uh, really appreciate having you on yeah that's yeah, fun yeah thanks for having me